Yeah, like that. Even when it comes to the snow in this movie, they don't like use the the kind of like sexy looking snow, you know, that is like powdery <laughs> or whatever. It's like just slush. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Recommendation Game, a film of the week podcast where we take turns to pick a movie the other person hasn't seen. We watch it separately and Skype each other to discuss it. My name is Ricardo Deacon. I am joined by my co-host. Orla McNeilis. Welcome to episode 199. You're listening to Dublin Digital Radio. The movie is Afterlife from 1998. What if there is an afterlife? What if, before you get to heaven, you go to a special place? A place where you choose one memory to take with you forever. What is the one memory you would choose? Would it be love's awakening or a tender farewell? Would it be the promise of youth or the reflection of age? Would it be a moment of beauty or the beauty of silence? Choosing a single memory could mean rediscovering your life. Artistic License Films proudly presents Afterlife. From Kore-Ida Hirokazu, the internationally acclaimed director of Maboroshi, comes Afterlife. In this acclaimed Japanese film, a group of people who have recently died find themselves in the limbo realm, 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 resembling a relatively mundane building. Counselors, including Takashi and Shiori, are on hand to help new arrivals pick one memory from their lives to bring with them into eternity. Once the memories are chosen, the staff make a short film representing each one, and the films make up a collage of thoughtful cinematic moments. So, Orla, why did you pick Afterlife? Uh, well, I feel like <laughs> I feel like I'm on a roll of uh, fiction films that may as well be documentaries. <laughs> That maybe contain a lot of documentary elements. It's only because I'm like winding myself up for another run of actual documentaries. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm gonna have to like pick a rom com or something in the middle there. I'm becoming very predictable. Um, <laughs> but I think like you know, the word documentary is very very relevant to this film. Um, I read it yesterday that uh, the cinematographer that he worked with on this film, um, I'm not sure if he worked with them after that, but this is the first time they'd worked together. And that guy was, um, he came from documentaries. And like, I think Coriata started making like uh, documentaries for TV as well. So he kind of had that in the background of his uh, oeuvre. I'm just trying to see, this is a second film, I think. Yes, I think that his first movie is called Maboroshi, uh, which is also a really good movie. Yeah, yeah. So I think he directed like a a, a documentary series uh, for TV. Um, yeah, and then like he just took like, a little, few little small things, and then this is his first or second feature film. Um, imagine this being your second feature film. <laughs> Bloody hell! Um, yeah, it's it's fascinating, like how 
uh, they made the film. Like, I don't think it's surprising when you learn that it's a combination of uh, actors recreating actual interviews that were done and then also just footage of interviews of real people. So they're non-actors in there like reacting in real time to the question which is very interesting because it's like you get a lot of very like oh you know like because it is it's a very hard question (laughs) to like pick this one moment you know like it might be hard because you can't think of one it might be hard because you think of too many and you know it's like this strange process but I feel like he's able to blend all those things together um very well but it, it gives it like this real sense of like sort of like quiet authenticity (laughs) because you know everything it's you know no one's freaking out no one's people are like some people are are getting like a little bit upset about it but most of the time you know it's very pensive as you're kind of like coming to terms with everything that your life meant and how that means something different when you're in your 70s as a versus when you're in your 20s or you know it's like each person is giving this different reaction it's very interesting um it uh, so they actually and they he interviewed like five hundred Japanese people. There's ten or eleven of them end up in the final film. So, you know, you can imagine the range of reactions that you get from that many people. It's very interesting. Um, the tone of it really made me think of um, uh, Faces Places. Actually, I don't know why I was, I was rewatching this last night and I was thinking a lot about that movie, just because it has a a similar kind of like pensive but very like heart wrenching not heart wrenching that's the wrong word but like something that really makes you think about like mortality and what your life means and you know like and there's something very gentle about the two films but they're also like you know like there are movies that are trying to like manipulate you or you know to make you feel a certain way and you know there's something the way that this, this director works with like actors the way he deals with his themes and everything that doesn't feel very like oppressive or he's like cry now cry now you know this all and that's what I love about Faces Places is that it's so like it's such a rambling movie but it's like oh I must rewatch that I love that movie um I was trying to buy that in DVD recently and was having real struggle buying it in Ireland um so I wanted to give it to my my dad for Christmas uh, I also thought a lot about uh, a matter of life and death of course um I was trying to, I meant to check when we did that movie, actually. So I feel like that's a good while ago now. A Matter of Life and Death? Yeah. Was I here? Maybe? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, but you you weren't as big of a fan of it as you were for Colonel Blimp. Yes. And I know where I'm going. That was it. Yes. But, you know, that's a very high bar set by those two movies. Um the film is actually called, like, I've seen people reference, like, uh, It's a Wonderful Life as well. And uh, I think the movie was called, it's not called Afterlife, as in, like, the direct translation from the Japanese. It's uh, it's actually Wonderful Life, which is kind of interesting. I, I'm curious if they changed it for the, like, U.S. Western market because it would, like, make you think of the Jimmy Stewart movie too much. I don't know, but I kind of, I feel like Wonderful Life is a nicer title, seems to work more for the film, but I don't know. Yeah, we did. So this is a second time offender, Corita. And uh, we did Shoplifters uh, two years ago, I think. It was episode 147. Um, 
really took it took us a long it didn't take us that long to get to 100 episodes but by golly it took us a long time to get from 100 to 200 episodes uh but i said whenever i was watching whenever we in that episode that um when i was watching shoplifters i felt like confused as to how i had not seen more of these this guy's films because it seemed like a a filmmaker that i would really like and also someone that was like very very highly regarded in Japanese cinema up until that point. And, you know, because he'd been making movies since, you know, the early 90s. And then Shoplifters, which was 2018, I think, maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and that was like his big international breakthrough. Like up until that point, he'd been kind of more, um, he's been sort of like the Japanese filmmaker. And then, you know, he'd kind of like broken out into the, uh, into the mainstream or whatever. Um so that was kind of the film that was probably a lot of people's entry points into him as a filmmaker, if they were like a deadbeat film watcher like me. Uh, but I said, <laughs> I said in that episode, I was like, yeah, I'll definitely going to make a real effort to try and watch more of his films. And uh, <laughs> in the meantime, in the last two years, I have watched one other of his films, <laughs> which is this film. So look at me go. I'm, I'll get there eventually. Um we talked. We talked a lot about, um, or well, not a lot, but you mentioned uh, Michael Schur when we were talking about shoplifters because he's a filmmaker that, uh, uh, or a, well, a writer, showrunner, whatever, and uh, most of his shows are about like found families and how that's a theme of Koreeda's movies as well. Like I said, like so many of his, even his earlier movies, are about found families and sort of like strange people to coming together as like a. Uh, and forming these little communities and stuff um but of course <laughs> this film makes me think of michael sure again because of uh the good place which is quite funny that it's you know it shares a lot of dna with like this sort of uh i keep thinking of the word whimsy and it's not it's not the word i want to use i should have used a thesaurus earlier when i was writing my notes um but also the kind of like the the humor that can be found in like the sort of bureaucracy around you know if if there's a system that's based on like human systems that would be lucky that would take care of you know when you die this is probably what it would look like <laughs> you know what i mean like it'd be going it'd be like going to get your driver's license renewed you know what i mean and it would be in like like the building they use for this is just glorious it's like there's all this like, and they're, when they're kind of out in the snow and stuff, it, there was something almost like Soviet about it. I don't know the, the kind of oppressive sort of gray, like, uh, like very kind of austere buildings. Um, obviously, like, good place is very like bright and shiny and stuff. But um, <laughs> I was funny. I was thinking about it yesterday, and then as I was uh, re-listening to the episode uh, on the uh, shoplifters, I was like, ah. You can really draw a direct line through a lot of the things that we talk about, which I find very, very, uh, uh, very like heartwarming and comforting. Um, so Satoru, um, I love like all the the sort of the, the characters of like the staff that work in the building and, and the different reasons as to why they're still there. And so the the character of uh, the guy's his daughter is, um, I think he died when she was three. So he refuses to pick a memory boost and cross over because uh, he wants to be able to watch her grow up. So I think he's, he's like, she's like six at that point. But he mentions that uh, he can only see her on the day of the dead. And I was like, fascinating. So I actually looked it up yesterday. And uh, <clears throat> Japanese day of the dead is called uh, Obon or just Bon. 
one of Jap- one of Japan's most important festivals and is celebrated over three days in mid-August or July, depending on the region. During this time, Japanese people pay respect to their ancestors and loved ones who have passed away through many beautiful ceremonies. Um, so it's like a Japanese Buddhist festival. Um, and it's like a really big family holiday. So people will travel back to their hometowns and they just sort of like hang out and, you know, make the graves look pretty and stuff. And I was like, that's lovely. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I've been rambling now for a long time. Um, I love this movie and it really like, it just fucking gets you. It like gets you, you know, it like gets in, into between your ribs and just like pokes you every so often. And uh, it's funny, like, uh, I looked at the letterbox page and <laughs> it's just full of people, both people who liked the movie, people who didn't, who are having like an existential crisis about not either not knowing what memory they would pick or just like feeling that even at like 25 that they've wasted their life. And, you know, this is all wrapped into all their reviews and everything. So I thought I was like, even if Ricardo like didn't like the film, we could at least like chat through what memory he might pick. So, um uh, yeah, so without further ado, Ricardo, uh, what did you think of this movie? Well, I know you, how long, fucking, it's uh, 17 years since we first met. Are we that old? It's not 17 but years, is it? 15 years, 2008. Yeah, yeah 15. Oh, Jesus. It's close enough, I suppose. <laughs> 17, oh my God. The, y- you could think that I could possibly not like this movie still it's kind of like ridiculous you never know sometimes you know sometimes i get all wrapped up in a movie and i'm in like a really good mood whenever i watch it and then i recommend it and then i'm like oh wait hold on ricardo won't like this <laughs> i live alone i live in a bubble yeah I, I i think that we we uh what we could watch for the 200th episode based on that we should watch the French movie, The Class, the one that you made me watch whenever you picked the Romanian movie, The Class. Oh, yeah. Well, I didn't make you watch it. I just didn't give you the right instructions. It was very early on in the podcast when you forget how many movies have the same name. and yeah. <laughs> Which is why I always try and at least either give the date or the director or whatever I'm like asking if you've seen something because my greatest fear is that we start to begin and the person starts reading out <laughs> the like intro that's the complete wrong movie I, I actually have one of those like weird uh, psychological events I wouldn't say events it was a psychological anomaly when it comes to this movie because it's a movie that I thought I had seen and I might have even whenever we did Shoplifters talked about watching it. But it's this weird thing that I remember organizing to watch the movie. I had seen scenes of it and read a lot of reviews of it. So somehow yeah. it constructed in my head that I had actually seen it. So whenever you picked it, I was like, in my head, I went like, oh, I seen that movie and then I tried to like remember actually where did I watch it how did I watch it it was a dvd that I rented it from like laserdisc or something and then I just came up with the like I realized that I had tried to start uh, watching his filmography way back when and I just got through the first movie (laughs) I went nah (laughs) I'll just watch Ozzy again (laughs) 
like <laughs> I loved it, but it is very Ozu like. His first movie is extremely uh, not derivative, but it's not as original and uh, unique as this movie is. It feels more like a first movie, like somebody like still making like an absolute fucking belter of a movie, but using almost like somebody else's voice rather mm. than finding his own voice in a way. Like it's hard to describe because it's not completely like it's not stealing. It's not like a copycat kind of thing. It's not like uh, late nineties fucking bro cinema that is everybody trying to be Quentin Tarantino. Like, uh, <laughs> but it's so, like the I had this age. kind of association with the movie, similar to what was it? Your man Brian uh, Williams, the the journalist, uh, imagined that he was in in a battle just because he kept telling the story so many times every time that he told the story was slightly different and he no longer was recollecting his memory he was recollecting telling the story <laughs> because that's how your brain processes like filling gaps and stuff like that which is interesting in itself whenever we're talking about memories because uh i like the idea that even whenever they have the tapes they said that these are Kind of just for reference, they're not exactly as it happened mm. because like there's no one way that an event took place. You know, I I always like remembered. Perhaps this is why one of the the reasons that I thought that I'd seen it is that I always remembered the ending of uh, Roger Ebert's review of this movie. Did you read him? No, actually, normally he pops up very early, and then when you're looking up a movie, but not this time. So, like, he says, uh, he gives, like, obviously, like, a glowing review on the movie and talks about how uh, Hollywood would have made this, like, an absolute fucking sappy melodrama. Oh, while this God. is very matter-of-fact, uh, almost unemotional, like, distant, but emotional. Like, very much like Japanese culture. Like, it's, uh, it's a movie that really uh, benefits from its setting and... Uh, the culture that it's embedded in let's say uh it'd be hard to imagine the the same bureaucratic system but set it in like ireland or something you know uh the yeah for one it'll be like too many memories like it'd be the opposite that like <laughs> uh, you know what i mean it'd be like yeah. some like a lad called delno coming in ah sure i remember whenever i wanted like the gaa fucking uh, under 15s championship or whatever and then it's like the i don't know the first time you box somebody outside the nightclub or <laughs> who knows really tapping into the essence of irish man there yeah <laughs> very specific type yeah. of irish man a little, well. a little too specific <laughs> i heard you? that he was nominated for an oscar this year so like uh, the 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 ending yeah. of the uh, Ebert review goes as follows: uh, Which memory would I choose? I sit looking out the window as images play through my mind. There are so many moments to choose from. Just thinking about them makes me feel fortunate. I remember a line from Ing Ingmar Bergman's film *Cries and Whispers*. After the older sister dies painfully of cancer, her diary is discovered. In it, she remembers a day during her illness when she was feeling better. Her two sisters and her nurse join her in the garden, in the sunlight, and for a moment pain is forgotten, and they are simply happy to be together. This woman who we have seen die a terrible death has written, I feel a great gratitude to my life, which, gives, which has given me so much. 
it's kind of like touching as well considering how Eber died himself so yeah it's I was like, just thinking uh, that yeah and also like it's different from being like being like a, you know on television or being an actor or wherever where you have like all these sort of clips of your life whereas like with him it was all these clips of him talking about the thing he loved which is movies so like he had like so much of his life captured through recordings and you know episodes and everything and and that's how they recreated his voice as well wasn't it like whatever um yeah like through the yeah. through ai kind of thing just uh, scanning through all the like what 30 years of tv mm. footage so like uh he pretty much would have without with the exception course words he used to say that it was funny because <laughs> he was in public te- television so if he wanted to curse it would always go to a just a robotic voice because there was no recording of him saying like piss or fuck or whatever you know piss <laughs> i don't know why that's the, the insult that came into my head someone i know says piss all the time but it's really funny i think it's sister claire she goes ah piss <laughs> it's great but I, I i did think that he like usually like it, it always engages with the movie at its level and i think that this movie has that Real like thoughtfulness, but it's it's weird. Like there's very few movies that are as philosophical as this movie is that presents a question uh, and explores that question, but also it presents it to a certain degree that it's impossible not to question it about yourself. Which yeah. is, there's not that many movies that are able to do that. Even whenever talking about like bigger picture kind of events like you're talking you mentioned like a matter of life and death i enjoyed that movie but i don't put myself in that position but uh, you put yourself in the position of this movie it's very it's to the like the actual definition of the word uh, uh humanist movie because it really engages with the idea of being human but in a very like uh optimistic way that like we are very much similar and there's always somebody to like both in life and death somebody to guide you through it and trying to do their best they Mm -hmm. might not be um like the right person but they're they're a person like the same way hilariously like how the guy the um just can't deal with the the young rebel guy that like the (laughs) teenager that dies and uh he he stays on board because obviously he doesn't come decide the like a memory but you can tell that your man is like of all the people to stay <laughs> back to replace like his buddy that has been there since the 20s <laughs> or the 40s i mean like 40s, uh, yeah. i do think that it is kind of interesting like the the way that like japanese culture um has like um how Japanese culture engages with the the war in a way that Germany doesn't, obviously. Like, uh, even mm. though there were, like, uh, certain atrocities and stuff that the Japanese side did as well, and they were the aggressor side in that war. Not to say that the, the Allies were completely clean, let's say, but... Um, no. It's just that it's kind of weird that there's never... You know, like, whenever you're... If you were watching like this movie, but it's set in Germany, they'd be explaining themselves why they joined the army, rather than just being as a matter of fact. Yeah. And like, uh, and considering also like the the individual suffering, like that it was 
very miserable how like Japanese soldiers lived through the the war. Um, like uh, not like uh, what you call it, not commenting on the actual like geopolitical sense of like who's to blame and who's at fault in the the big picture, but like individually. Like yeah. soldiers suffered well, a lot, and a man in his twenties that left left his fiance to go off to war, and then you know that's from that level as opposed to like who was yeah. putting his infantry wherever or whatever you know. But also consider how many like like just per percentage of population the, of like male Japanese in their twenties and stuff. It would have been an incredibly uh, incredible amount of people that are like that you know and i think that it's kind of interesting until you it reveals the movie reveals itself to you the like he listens to a, a guy talking about how he uh survived because he became a prisoner mm. and another man that has had his life basically like the like the the life that he expected but is also unable to find comfort and happiness in that life that he led mm. and i think that it's kind of interesting that how the because of the memory of her that she uses was like a memory of him that uh it kind of suggests that she wasn't completely there for the other guy as well because she never got over it yeah so, like it, that's why he e can't find distance. the memory because the the distance is there and he could feel it uh like uh, it, w it wasn't like a complete shared memory because whenever they were in that park bench about to go to the cinema she was there enjoying the place that she had been there with the guy in the 40s rather than with him like uh she wasn't able to commit completely and in a way it shows also that you know how like sometimes we just m don't move on from things that yeah I was talking to the uh, about this yesterday with with the girls. The that scene in the end of uh, "Call Me by Your Name," whenever uh, <sighs> Timothy Chamele's father starts talking about like uh, breakups and how if you stop yourself getting hurt every time that you're doing that, you're chopping a little bit away from your actual like an emotional bank almost, yeah. and you're not. You're able to not feel as sad, but you're also unable to feel happier too, like because they're it's like the the peaks and valleys are the same kind of thing. And like as Claire said, it is very frustrating whenever people watch that movie and go, "Well, he's just revealing that he's gay too," and it's like, no, is it like he's just opening the like how emotional connections are very. Rare. unique let's say and mm. even without giving it a name like it is important to like just acknowledge them when they exist you know like uh, and like movies like this makes me think of like moments that I like you know relationships that didn't even happen they they, they nearly did or like the you know you could say that it, like like I fell in love with somebody that it wasn't res like reciprocated, reciprocated. Yeah. And uh, and after the fact, like years later, I don't even particularly like that person. But 
I can't deny the feelings that I had at that time, even though I can't understand why. Yeah, yeah. You look back at them now. You're like Jesus. But you have to acknowledge that that emotion because otherwise, the emotions that you have now are also not based on reality. Because for good or for bad, I've learned from like uh, for that from that experience, but not only like learned in the like a a philosophical or like a, a theoretical way. I'd learned in an emotional way how to deal with myself and be able to be both present and emotional about it, but also like control those emotions a little bit more so they're able to like flourish rather than burn away. But it's kind of like when you think about like memories, like you were saying, what well, what would the memory be? And it's kind of like the hardest part of it is like the part of why who you forgetting and i think that the bit that i love about whenever he's doing the he selected his memory was actually sharing with the people that are in the afterlife with him that his mm-hmm. memory is actually him looking back at them recording him so he can see them kind of in front of in front of him rather than layers and, and then also layering that is the park bench where he had the mm. The memory of the, the the women so he's able to like carry everything with him because like this memory is including her but them also them and it's kind of difficult whenever you find like a memory that you know captures everything that you if if you're gonna forget everything else yeah it's like the, I was, it, yeah it's almost as if like it, it has to have some kind of like narrative to it like that where when he recalls that he'll be recalling all those things and how they're all related to each other and you know it gives sort of like the expanse of his life I suppose or of the people that he also touched in his life like that's the thing is that like you you know you're thinking about something that's so personal like this memory that you're going to bring with you but it's like in reality it's how you were with other people, the impact you had on other people, the impact they had on you. You know what I mean? That's like, that is what makes up your life rather than just like this like nice thing that happened to me, you know? So, yeah, I don't know. I was thinking about how like I, I would want it to be something that like almost has like a little story to it or something. I don't know. But like even thinking about it, uh, you know, I love my family i love my partner i love my friends and i love like the dreams i have when it comes to like career and creativity and stuff like that and there's not one memory that i could think of that would encompass all of those things you know that like uh, which and then it becomes like you start thinking about who you really are. What makes you you? Is it because I'm with this person? Is it because I want to do these things? Is it because, you know, because sometimes you get like one of those like triangles or like Venn diagrams that you can get almost everything within the circle, but yeah. there's something outside it. And you're Pick like, would I be willing <laughs> to give give up that bit, you know? But also it's like kind of the weird piece of it that you wouldn't know what you've missed because you're forgetting about it so it's kind of like what do you do you want to be you can almost reinvent yourself because they say you choose the memory yeah in the yoga it's like you actually have the choice of it it's not the most important memory it's not the most the best memory it's not even the 
like the 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 thing you remember the most the thing that you think makes you you they just say choose one memory that you'll be able to carry over and it's kind of like this kind of strange and strangely enough the the one about like never they're like recreating the tram and stuff it yeah was, even oh, with the sound so, effects and stuff, so it reminded me almost like of a like a live action version of a Studio Ghibli movie. Yeah. Oh my god, the, it's actually the train is so Ghibli. That's true, actually. It's Just funny, the sound it's... of the the of the tracks and like yeah. the lighting and like the fact even, that like, they're the moving it of... to make it like seem to to like demonstrate the like movement of the train and stuff and. Like, I love how they're working through the little details there as well that like, you know, are you wearing your hat? Are you not wearing your hat? And they're like, no, it's too windy. So he can just hold his hat. It's like all these things of like little details that make it feel more authentic, even though maybe that's not how you remember it. But it's like, you know, it, it it's it's almost as if like you're trying to make it seem as if like it'll, it completely flows together that you're not going to be there in the afterlife being like, what? <laughs> It's funny that it was you were talking there about like the fact that you don't you're not going to know anything outside of the memory. You're only be only be able to extrapolate from what's there and like sometimes you'll be able to pick a memory that will give a lot of information and maybe like if you don't think about it enough you're going to end up picking something that doesn't show the richness of your life. But it also made me think of Severance. Did you watch Severance? Not yet. It's on my to do. It's very, very good. But like, uh, you know, the kind of general conceit of it that. Um, yes, I do. Yes. So yes, yeah, so you have that you're like your any and your outie version of yourself. So theoretically, you're still the one person, but you've technically created two people because the one person who's inside doesn't know what's going on on the outside and vice versa. So it's like you as your any version don't know why your outie version picked it. So it's like you have to try and almost create a, imagine who you are as a person on the outside because you don't really have many clues um it's a really good show i'd highly recommend it it's like oh yeah like just the conceit is genius yeah. like the, because even if you think about it, how like uh, the the person that is like on the audi bit that is now having to go to work you think like the that'd be amazing but then you'd be you're missing so much of like your time of growth and then like uh yeah to improve yourself and stuff like that not to say that it, you know like nine to five jobs fucking suck but at the <laughs> same time you know like it's not the job itself it's just like your time and how you because mo if you're doing nine to five like monday to friday that's most of your day is taken by sleep and work and getting to work and getting back from work it's fucking depressing thought. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. It is really good. It also like that show has cuz the like they're they're able to like the the way they work with the like sort of plot of it and the you know the the, the theme around it and stuff like that's really well really well handled I think. I think they're able to like continue that the whole way through the show. But also just like there's some like really fucking beautiful moments in that show like it it actually it it does genuinely make me think of this a lot, which is sort of funny that yeah, considering that, like, like this film has to have had a real impact because, like, you can see elements of it in so many other, like, shows and 
movies and stuff, but I don't know. I, I feel like people don't talk about it an awful lot. And even in his filmography, it's not as discussed as his other movie. This is almost like his cult movie. You know what I mean? It's like he's sort of, you know, even before shoplifters or anything, like there are other parts of his filmography that are always discussed before they talk about this movie, which I think is kind of interesting because... It's interesting that like his new movie is Korean as well. Oh, yeah. I watched the trailer for it. It's like another... It, it's it's a very similar sort of theme as well, of like like not to this, but to like what, what we did before with um, shoplifters. So... um. But it's just interesting because this is his most like ambitious movie in a lot of ways, you know, which is interesting because it's so early in his career and it still has a lot of the same themes that are in his other movies. But yeah, I just think it's so fascinating that like as such a young filmmaker, you would make something like this ambitious, this interesting, but also pull it off, you know. Well, I think that the like cinematography, like you you mentioned uh before the the guy worked in uh, documentaries before, that it is very beautiful film, but also unobtrusive in a way. The mm. like it, it's almost like textured rather than you know even the the film stock that they're using is absolute garbage, but yes. it looks beautiful. <laughs> like uh, because yeah. it gives this kind of reality to it. Uh, you know, whenever you make this kind of film, you have two avenues to pursue. Either make it ridiculously realistic or kind of like ethereal. And this goes through the, the realistic kind of like blue collar kind of setup. Them, It's yeah. very bureaucratic uh, office job kind of thing. Yeah. I think yeah, like the, the shots when they're walking through the snow. There's like such a combination of the audio, but then just like the visual of it, of like them just like crunching through this like really slushy sounding snow. Yeah, like that. Even when it comes to the snow in this movie, they don't like use the the kind of like sexy looking snow, you know, that is like powdery <laughs> or whatever. It's like just slush. Yeah. But yeah, I think that like in general, the movie like, it's very well paced, considering that it is two hours and there's pretty much no plot to it. Like the 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 thing about the guy's memory and him having shared the relationship with his with the person that is dying now the that just died um that is like as close as it comes to the plot but uh yeah it's pretty to like a plot but otherwise it's just like moment to moment character moment to character moment and i thought that it was like very pleasant in the like it's a film that i enjoy its company kind of thing uh uh you almost yeah. uh, want, you know, it feels like the movie version. You know, whenever like the there's this famous video from a few years ago that somebody in uh, O'Connell Street uh, just stopped random people going like, "Do you have any regrets in life?" That's the question that they asked. And there's like really like loads of little moments that are like there's like a couple that they're like in their eighties and it's like, Oh, my biggest regret is not asking her to marry me whenever we were in our twenties. That I had to wait oh. until we like re met whenever we we're like in our sixties or whatever and now we're together, but like we missed the like like physically the best years of our lives kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, you feel like you wasted of, you least you lost all this time that you could have had with that person. But at the same time, you have like uh, a moment, like another moment in that video that is like some guy doesn't say anything, but you just see in his eyes and he just goes so many regrets. 
and like it, there's this kind of like deep deep sadness in his eyes that like pierces through the screen and i think there's something like, like this is a way of structuring a movie with the same premise as like because when it comes to memory and choosing that memory it's like it's such a clever idea and also so so intelligent and how it approaches its topic because it doesn't over explain itself there's no like what's gonna happen afterwards is there god is there hell how do you get the job they talk about other facilities they but like they don't go into like how do you get transferred you, you know like uh, you know that yeah. it, like things exist in the background but it's like what happens if you don't speak japanese but you die in japan yeah you know what happens if you're a baby and you die or if you're like you know say yeah i did wonder about that like say if you're if you die in hospital and you're very ill you know or if you die in a car accident and you're like horribly maimed like how do you then appear you know what i mean like does your body i think that they that they die like that they appear as they were just before they died let's say or what would be Mm. the version of themselves as just being old but at the same time, it's also like that question of like, more importantly, not in the physical sense, in the mental sense, because you have like that old lady that just Aww. likes blossoms, but she's not able to describe it, that they have to like communicate with her in a different way mm. uh, to get the, uh, the memory across, let's say. And then it's so touching whenever she disappears and she gives the bag with the like fake blossoms to the to her caseworker so cute i love that lady or the woman who's like um dancing and she's just yeah yeah like she she's, she's the cutest old lady she's cute as a button like there's oh she's like i can't i don't know if she says like i can't wait to tell my brother about it because she knows that she's going to like meet him because she's he's also dead and like she'd gone to his grave and stuff to tell him that she was you know it's just like oh <sighs> my heart as a as a whole like the movie really captures something that is like truly unique and i think the yeah i really enjoyed it thank you for picking it like finally i have watched it now i I know (laughs) i know for a fact that i've seen it any final thoughts yourself um it's funny i was watching um uh i was watching there's a great uh or no actually it was they were doing their criterion uh closet pick thing um you know the thing they do with um filmmakers and actors and stuff um and it's the daniels like just wonderful wonderful guys that have like so much rich interesting shit to say about movies they're just i could listen to them forever uh one of them picks um the before trilogy and uh so not not daniel kwan daniel the other one um and he's saying that he didn't, he had only watched it like in the last couple of years, like the the, the full trilogy, and uh, he watched them with his partner, and it ended up like sparking this whole like state of the union massive discussion between them, and in the end, it made their relationship better. But uh, I think he mentions as well about like uh, which which one's your favorite, and he said that because of when I watched it before midnight because it's like at that point in my life that was the one that made them meant the most to me and I love those movies so much and what I love about them is that each one is your favorite or that you you know or each one changes which one you relate to depending on what part of your life you're in so like I kind of feel like I'm sort of in like before sunset 
like that era of my life. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, whereas when I first watched them, I was very much in before uh, sunrise. So you know what I mean? So it's like eventually I'm going to move on. So the key is to keep I watching think I'm those in the before movies. midnight face. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like the key is to keep watching films like that because each time you get more from it. You know what I mean? Like that's and I feel like this is the kind of movie that I would love to watch every couple of years because I feel like I will relate to it slightly different every time, depending where you are in your life. And you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, like I'd like to be like you said, like in my let's say if I rewatch this in my 80s and not feel like panic stricken. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. But I feel like if I, I think there's like a difference between. If you have like almost like an appointment viewing with this film or something, like even if you do it like every eight years, like the before trilogy or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, and so it's not like it's going to be a big surprise to you. It's not like you're going to have, you know, a full on existential crisis like watching this movie or maybe you will. Maybe you're being a really bad part of your life and you'll just feel like, what am I doing? You know, all my plans have come to nothing. Who have I been as a person, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm going to try and do that moving forward because it, I think it, it's a, a level of like, it sparks a level of introspection that I think is like healthy in a way. You know what I mean? Like it's not about, this was, <laughs> again, maybe it depends where you are in your life or how like, you're I, doing psychologically. <laughs> exactly. I do think that this movie would have hit completely different if I was like, uh, you know, like if I can... 2016 i don't know like uh, uh <laughs> i feel like we've gone off the deep end here uh what was your favorite thing <laughs> like the the film's philosophy yeah and it's uh also it's a decision not to take the easy answer or like have actually any answers i remember the like I know that it's uh, apocryphal and uh, also like incorrect to a certain degree. The <clears throat> there's uh, the discussion sometimes that it's like internet. The American movies are movies where a uh, question is asked in the first act, and then the rest of the movie is answering that question. While uh, international movies are a question is asked, and then the rest of the movie is exploring that question. And I don't mm. think that that is true uh but also like that in this case it is like i think that that's the the principle of the movie that is like a literal question is asked and then the movie just continues to explore what does that question mean like when you read fucking you know robert mackie or whatever that if you just follow those rules every fucking movie would be the same well mm -hmm. you have movies like this that it's like none of the rules are followed like plot wise beats fucking character development there's none of that but there's such a deep humanity to it that it and but also like an intellectual thorough line that it, it uses instead of like it's what it uses as its backbone rather than a plot and since it's doing that you're able to like pin all these emotions to it and combine them in a way that is very unique that there is not that many mm. movies that are able to be both as emotionally riveting as this movie is but also intellectually challenging and um, but that's what i'd like the most about the movie it's its approach to its central premise like the 
they also like commits completely to it that there's no nobody leaves nobody breaks the rules nobody like games the system nobody you know there's no this is the thing how this operates but don't think too much about the the logistics of it think about the uh, how th that affects the way that you see your life and your memories but also like how you're emotionally reacting to those things and you're and you're kind of like empathizing with everybody like uh in the level that is very rare in movies that even mm. the people that are kind of frustrating in this movie are also like you can feel that the you'll be similar you know like <laughs> uh coming up with the decision or of what memory to go and you almost feel jealous uh, like the old lady <laughs> that dances and stuff that she has this like straight away this is the memory you know but even like how it guides the idea of like whenever the the girl says to the 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 girl agent says to the younger girl going like that i've been here for only three for like a year and you're like the fifth person that's uh, picked disneyland oh, so, yeah. like, so that's not really the memory for uh, not the memory that really is touching you it's the memory that you think people should pick yeah because you're still like there, she's still obsessed with the idea of like popularity perhaps but also like you know thinking about what people would say about the memory that she picked so she wants to present herself in the best way rather than the way that this is the only thing you can take with you so like you're you're make your like a, a wise decision but what was your favorite thing I love how blunt your one is in that scene as well when they're like sitting outside and she's just like, I think, no, I think she said it's like you're like the 20th person or something that's picked Disneyland. I was like, but she's so just like, no, <laughs> that's not your memory. Pick something better. Um, I th Yeah, I think it's it's the strength of its convictions, I think. And like that he really he really commits to his his thesis of the film like they're like it, I, I was thinking this yesterday actually and you said it there about how nobody nobody's trying to game the system nobody's trying to like sneak in an extra memory or you know and obviously there's like the young guy that's like refusing to pick one but it's like you know everyone just sort of like you know when they sit down and they're told like okay so obviously you know you died a few days ago you know what everyone's just like okay all right time to think about it you know it's just it's just lovely and um I don't know if you said it or if it was one of the reviews of like or if it was Roger Ebert of like if this was a um uh like the American version of this movie like it would be played so differently yeah there'd be <laughs> somebody <laughs> screaming no I didn't die I had so much to give ah. Ah. Uh, I do also love the guy that's like um uh going through all the women that he slept and then in the end, he's like, actually, no, I think I'll pick my daughter's wedding. It's like, okay. Um, but uh, it's funny. I was just popped into my head there because we were, you know, talking about um, documentaries and uh, how the documentary elements of this and stuff. And I was at um, it's a nonprofit called uh, Human Rights Watch, and um, they have a film festival. Um, I live really close to like a, a documentary cinema called Hot Dogs. And uh, I went to a screening of, I don't think it's that yet. I think it's just still doing like festivals and stuff, but it's called The Grab. And it's by the director that did Blackfish. Uh, it's really good. It's fucking depressing as hell. Really good. But she did a talk afterwards uh, and someone asked her, 
you know, about the future of documentaries and how, you know, there's been a lot of, there's been a few articles and stuff where they've asked documentary makers about, you know, the state of the industry at the minute and how all the streaming services coming in and like what impact that's having and stuff. And like, um, uh, <laughs> she said that when you're applying to get funding from like Netflix or whatever, that you're given a document that basically says, by this minute, this has to have happened. By this minute, this has to have happened in your documentary. That like you have to get to a certain point and have had this beat. Otherwise, we're not going to accept it. <laughs> I was like, ah! you know, and she was just like, for documentary. And she's like, if you're ever wondering why you watch Netflix documentaries and they all seem the fucking same, she's like, that's why. That's <laughs> because you literally, they're not going to like stream it if you don't have. And like, obviously, you know, those the the like tropes and the 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 of, like the ninety minutes and the like three act structure and all that you know like there's a reason why those things exist in a way but like the idea of transplanting that onto a documentary particularly something that maybe is more experimental or has like you know something that has the the attitude of this or the the like ambition of this and it's just like refusing to conform at all it's like those kinds of films and you know how I love them. <laughs> And it just depresses me so much that, like, not even just in feature films, uh, like, of fiction films, that this is happening, where it's become, it becomes harder and harder all the time for people to make just, like, weird shit. But then it's also happening to documentaries. I'm just like, no. <laughs> like, not that, you know, not that those films still don't get made. Like, we did Truffle Hunters. That movie only came out a couple of years ago. Or, like, Bloody Nose, Empty Pockets. Like, weird films that try to do something different still get made but it's just like becoming harder for people even within documentary which is very depressing but um yeah I, it's I just I really love this movie and it, I, I think it's the strength of its convictions and then also the fact that it is two hours long and does not feel like it like it really it is because it is such a like gentle presence and once it like hooks you which it does very quickly I feel like you're not like, even if you're going into it not really knowing what the premise is or, you know, you know very quickly what the movie's doing. And that's, it's just, it's very comforting. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad you liked it. Uh, any uh, least favorite things? Not really. Like, I think the, uh, the I, I would say that whenever I was watching it, I felt uh, in the moment that uh, the idea of linking uh, the main character to the character that can remember the memories yeah i thought in that moment uh it perhaps was a misstep but then how the movie actually deals oh, with it because i don't think that I, I i think that perhaps i thought it was a misstep purely because i expected it to become more of a movie because of that decision but the movie remains like as you say like with the strength of its convictions so it kind of strengthens the movie but for that like like for like a second that was like ah no uh, they're gonna be like doing emotional shit or whatever that even like this scene whenever like it depicts her memory it's kind of like little moments like that that are, are great like uh well like my complaint is that uh i am too stupid for this movie that's my complaint <laughs> for I think it's that you didn't trust him. I think that's what the problem is. But I think yeah, it's but like, like uh, I, but it's stupid of me not to trust him after like uh, <laughs> what preceded it. Uh, it's also like an hour and a half into the movie. It's not like yeah. uh, 
It's not like it's like 20 minutes in and you think, oh, don't go off the rails here. Plot time. Yeah. yeah. What was your least favorite thing? I was kind of thinking this last night that like the the sort of like implied relationship between um, what's her name and uh, like the two kind of like young sort of early 20s kids and then like the guy that eventually picks his memory and stuff and I like how upset she is because they're clearly very close. But I, I don't know. I remember like the scene when she goes into his room and, you know, it's like a little, I don't know. It was like almost just slightly too much drama for this film. <laughs> I didn't dislike it, though, because I think she's really good. And then there's that scene when she's out in the snow and she's like tossing the snow everywhere and stuff. And like, it's so like, I don't know what it is about that snow, but you can like feel the cold and it's like slushy and yeah I, I don't know it's just great i think part of it is also like the, that even what the like in that scene that the director goes in or like the boss the manager goes in and speaks to her and the fuse like it's gonna be a little bit seedy but then uh, he talks about like the moon changing shapes but not mm. changing shapes the it's kind of hinting that like you relate to this man because you see like a 20 22 year old but he's actually in his 80s Um, we didn't even talk about that that detail is like it's it's funny because it's you know the thing it made me think of is like vampire movies or whatever you know what i mean where you have a person that's kind of trapped in time but it's always like i'm watching buffy at the minute and like angel's obviously like whatever 250 years old and buffy's like 17 and you're like but the show really really wants you to ship it even though by the end of it i'm like i'm sorry you can't write him like get rid of angel but (laughs) You know, of like, of someone being like an old soul trapped in a young body, but still feeling conflicted about things, because it's not like when you get to 80 that you have everything figured out either, you know? But I think like this movie does that better than any fucking vampire thing I've ever seen, you know? Uh, Anyways, (laughs) enough about Buffy. Uh, That was Afterlife. Um, Where did you, did you watch it in Criterion or what did you? I did the Criterion channel, yeah. Um... Yeah, so like it's, I feel like it's not uh, hard to to find. Like it's been on the Criterion release for a good long while, so I feel like people should be able to find it in other places, which is good. Um, unlike many of the other things that I pick. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was uh, that was Afterlife, not starring Liam Neeson. Um, so if they want to go back to, assuming it was in the middle of twenty twenty one summer, whenever we did Shoplifters, uh, where can they find us, Ricardo? They can find us on Facebook, The Recommendation Game, on Twitter, at The Rack Game, on The Recommendation Game at gmail.com, and The uh, Recommendation Game uh, SoundCloud or your podcaster of choice, or on Dublin Digital Radio every second Monday. Next week, or two weeks, or whatever the hell it comes out, is our 200th episode! <laughs> 200 Crikey. episodes! And- Oh, yeah, indeed, in like fucking six and a half years or something. Uh, yeah, craggy indeed. So we haven't actually picked what we're going to do yet, but it, it'll be an event. Um, I, I have mad plans. I was thinking maybe we would like... Uh, Pick a musical. Record, record our like video as well and have like the video version of the podcast. I don't know. I have a lot of plans. Um, so, yeah. God. <laughs> uh, well, until then, uh, I was Orla Venus. <laughs> and I was Ricardo Deacon. <laughs> Thanks for listening. See you next week. <laughs>